Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The Gold Coast is over and the championship has tightened. I, I went into this weekend with, uh, with uh, you know, a, a battle and a strategy and uh, you know, it didn't go perfectly, but we certainly... Uh, we certainly got a good result out of it. The internationals share their feelings on the event. The guys that, you know, that are racing here have been thrown in at the deep end. And Brad Jones moves on to the board. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Race 19 of the championship on Saturday and Garth Tander looked like the HRT driver was back in the hunt. The race was just amazing. Um... I think Cam's first stint's what won us, the, won us the race because when he got his 10-second um, penalty for um, allegedly rolling at the start, um, he put that that stint was amazing. He was up against Steve Owen, who everyone seems to rate, and uh, he pulled away from him very, very easily. Craig Lowndes and Andy Prelu finished second. The pairing was the first of the international combination. When James got the drive through, we were in a great position for the championship, so we didn't want to uh, jeopardise what we were what we were hopefully going to uh, point wise. Andy did a fantastic job on the start. You know, we know how difficult it is to get off the line here, and uh, he did a great job, kept out of trouble, especially in uh, turn four where it all um, hell broke loose. And um, you know, we, we ran our race. So uh, for us, it was a uh, um, you know a, a pretty clean uh, um, 102 laps. New Zealand's Shane Van Gisbergen and John McIntyre turned around a disappointing season of endurance to get third place on the podium. First lap was very hard to watch, and. Uh you know, seeing everything going everywhere and Johnny run up the back of someone, someone run up the back of him and you know, the, the front of the car looked quite damaged but um, you know, it didn't handle too bad. It was a little bit different through the chicane but um, yeah, it's a um, very good job from Johnny. Uh, I know he felt bad for, for Bathurst. He feels like he contributed to what happened but um, you know, it, it just that's what happens. But um, it was a great drive by him and I'm very happy and happy for the team to bounce back like how we did. The carnage on day one included FPR-prepared cars driven by Jacques Villeneuve and Luke Yulden. Off the start, the two colliding into each other spectacularly. Then, down in the hairpin for the first time, it was Villeneuve spun by Greg Witter, which caused all sorts of mayhem. By the end of the race, it looked like the championship leader, that being James Courtney, was well on his way to secure his spot at the top of the podium. But the officials told him to keep that safety car speed. In their opinion, he didn't and he was called to pit lane for a pass-through. Courtney spoke about his disappointment. I don't even know what the lesson is. Um, and it's uh, just disappointing. We've had a, a hell time in the team the last couple of weeks with everything that's going on, and you know, we've just put our head down and kept working, all us boys, and, and um, to have that happen at the end, it's just massively disappointing, just gut-wrenching. Race 20 and Garth Tander's comeback looked over as he threw it into the first chicane, knocking himself out of the race. Yeah, just frustrated with making that mistake. It was all my fault. Um, 
33 car was coming out of pit lane and I knew we were racing them on strategy so I tried to brake deep and get around the outside of him which I did but then it was my outlap but I didn't have, have enough tyre temperature and it just understeered straight in the wall so um, you know it's disappointed for the guys because they've been working their backside off for the last two weeks since Bathurst and Saturday was a fantastic result for us but Sunday was not a good day so um, we'll fix it and go to Tassie and uh, try for a win there. Jamie Wincup continued his comeback in the championship with victory on Sunday. Oh, massively. Yeah, though, last five laps was as intense as it gets. And to, uh, to get over the line, give Steve his first win, couldn't be happier. For Steve Owen, it was his first win in the main game after two near misses of Phillip Island and Bathurst. It was just fantastic to come here and, and finally get a result. And this was actually probably the hardest weekend of all. As Jamie said, the car wasn't great yesterday and, and we had a late night last night. And good thing is we... we both said exactly the same thing after the first race and we managed to just turn it around. Car still wasn't probably the quickest out there but um, you know it's the ones that you, you win when you when you don't have, have the quickest car that are probably most satisfying and I think Jamie would agree you know the way he drove it in there was just to show why he's got number one on the car. Shane Van Gisbergen and Johnny McIntyre backed up their third on Saturday with a second on Sunday. The Gizzers best ever result. It was definitely on there was a bit of bumping going on but uh you know, I think it was all fair, and Jamie said he thought so too in the media conference, so that was good to see. But uh, definitely, I think I, I had him into turn one there, but I just couldn't pull it up, so I uh, let him have the spot back. I didn't pass him fairly, so so I thought it was good to give it back. But uh, definitely pretty stoked. I got mixed emotions knowing that we could have won it, but second's pretty good. I'm not going to complain. With Frosty and Yulden coming back from their disappointing Saturday, they stepped up onto the podium, extremely happy with third. Yeah, if we, we need to make no mistakes and um, you know, even today with a big mistake we could finish third so I think we could have won today quite comfortably, quite easily but you know, that's, uh, that's the way it goes, the sport sometimes surprises you and, and um, you know, today was another example. Scott Dixon spoke about his race. It was uh, a lot of fun, it was great to work with the team you know, a great bunch of people uh, just hope that you know next year we can come back and, and try and do the same thing. Andy Prelu was crowned the highest placed international driver with a second and tenth place finishes across the weekend. He talked about his thoughts on what the Gold Coast offered. I mean, there's some great names down the pit lane, and I think V8 Supercar should be very proud of uh, attracting quite so many international drivers, and you know, very proud of the championship they have here. It's, it's tremendous. So to the points, and James Courtney leads the way on 2,521 points. Jamie Wincup in second on 2,450 points. Greg Lowndes on 2,255. Mark Winterbottom on 2,201. Garth Tander on 2,088. Shane Van Gisbergen in sixth now on 2,004. 40 points. Rick Kelly's on 1843. Lee Holsworth is on 1763. Behind him in ninth is Michael Caruso on 1706. And Paul Dumbrell rounds out the top 10 on 1590 points. David Coulthard, Martin Brundle, Jean Alacy, Olio Severa, Ryan Hunter Ray, Paul Tracy, and Giancarlo Fisichella have all been linked to next year's event, which Tony Cochran on Monday foreshadowed will have 29 international drivers on, in competition on the Gold Coast streets. It's going to be an interesting time seeing what decisions get made following this year's event. Brad Jones has been elected to the V8 Supercar board, replacing Paul Morris, who has taken Jones's position as an alternate. The second alternate, replacing Charlie Swalcolt, is Todd Kelly, with Ross Stone and Tim Edwards' positions not due for renewal until next year. BMW has indicated that they are looking at the car of the future as a possible entry point for the manufacturer. 
The BM3 seems to be a good fit for V8 supercars, or so they told Big Pond Sport late last week. This has been the first time an automaker has said that they would have a model of vehicle that they are interested in investigating the opportunities available to them. V8 supercars will be hoping there's a lot more interest over the coming months as the launch of the new car of the future draws closer. Garth Tander has been voted the most popular driver in V8 supercars in 2010's 4X Gold fan survey. HRT is the top team with Jim Beam Racing in second. The details of this year's fan survey can be found in the latest edition of V8X Magazine, which is on sale now. Also in V8X Magazine, they've spoken with the head of Seven Sports, Salt Shine, who has indicated that Seven is looking to be involved in negotiations for the contract for V8 Supercars Television. And that the decision upcoming from the Australian Parliament to allow free-to-air channels to show anti-siphon listed sports on alternate digital channels could ensure all V8 Supercars laces are live around Australia. And Stein explained why he thinks V8 Supercars ratings are down. You can find out the whole story in V8X magazine. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Fogues and Neville Wilkinson will be along. Then later we speak to Mark Larkham on how V8 Supercars should keep their history alive. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, a man who's spent a lot of time writing a book about Craig Lowndes. Mark Fogarty, it's great to have you on the show. Good to be back, Craig. Yes, I can finally say I'm a published author, or co-author, actually. You're writing it with Craig? I've written it with Craig. Well. Done, dusted, on the stands in the next few days. Well, we'll have to find out more about that later on. But Neville Wilkinson, he's a man that's published many times, and the new edition of V8X magazine is out now, and uh, a fantastic read, Nev. Well, it's always a fantastic read, but that's me saying it. Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, I always, try to, I always try to make it the best read that I can for the fans Not the best read for me, but the best read for, best, best read for the fans And of course, uh, Will Davison, the focus of the cover with an interesting story um, We all think he's going to FPR And Frosty on Big Pond has said he wants some shake-ups Do you think Frosty would be happy with Will Davison at FPR, folks? Well, he's going to have to be because um, there's no doubt. Davo has left the building at Clayton, or he will do soon, and he's off to the other side of Melbourne in Campbellfield. He'll definitely be with FPR and be Frosty's teammate next year. No doubt whatsoever. Don't you hate it when they're that affirmative with this sort of thing the day after your publication hits the magazine stance, Nev? Uh, well, it's only Fogues affirming, <laughs> confirming it. 
Um, no team has come out of fighting words, Nev. Them's <laughs> fighting no words. No team has come out and officially said it. We know that HRT won't come out and officially say it till December the 31st or January 1st. And I think Davo's not allowed to talk about it or his management aren't allowed to talk about it. I'm sure they're contractually bound. But yeah, I'm pretty much in the folks camp there. <laughs> Pretty much a done deal. It's the world's worst kept secret. Um, and, hey, it's just watch this space. In relation to whether Frosty's going to be happy with Davo there, I think actually it'll be good because drivers that are the same calibre tend to spar each other on. Look at look at the Weber Vettel uh, or Vettel uh, battle in F1 as an example. Those guys are going hammer and tongs. They, they're, they're trying to beat each other more than, more than anybody else on the grid. Mm. Uh, so, and I, I just, HRT have, uh, have that philosophy, philosophy, though it hasn't worked this year, probably worked a little last year, but they like to have two top line drivers, so they keep pushing each other in the team, um, so, you know, as long as FPR can get their act together, um, uh, crew-wise and not and making some silly decisions on the track in regards to pit stops and stuff like that, um, you know, you could see them move forward. Mm. Yeah, that's the big question mark about FPR. They've finally found consistent speed, but they just keep standing on themselves, and the Gold Coast was another classic example of that. I mean, that really oh, must stop. But that must be a new thing. I mean, everybody's heard of drivers haven't been ready to get in the car but when a driver's on the grid saying you have to put gloves on my hands i can't do anything until there's gloves on my hands like uh you just shake your head don't you oh yeah and once it, again you know it's just there have been so many of those have we had stupid a t- incidents over recent years and you know I, it's just beyond my belief that will power wasn't you know alerted to get ready and and that they made sure that he was ready um but just getting back to you yeah, i didn't quite finish off the answer to the question that Craig asked about, you know, will Frosty welcome Will Davison? Um, I'm sure he will because it's someone who can push him even further and more to the point, push the team, you know, two, well, we imagine two top drivers, you know, Davos had a really tough season, but I don't think he's lost the ability to, you know, to be at the front like he did last year. Um, the two of them together should be able to push the team a lot further because, for whatever reason, and there probably are many reasons, but the bottom line is that, you know, Richo, you know, just hasn't been on the same pace consistently as Frosty. So um, together, Frosty and Davo, um, and if, if Power can keep their newfound speed, it should be a, a pretty formidable combination, um, but with Proviso, as we said, that they get their act together on the pit wall. It is interesting. I don't think we've seen a, a team more consistently screw things up in the pits than FPR over the last probably five years, Nev. And uh, I, I'm interested when you see FPR that just can get it wrong so often and then you see someone like Triple Eight who gets it right more often than not and uh, they've been so consistently getting it right now. Why do you have such a big difference like that? Well, okay, there's probably other teams that are screwed up just as much as FPR, but they haven't been as high, pro- high profile as FPR. Um, and this is the thing. It's the fact- Ford factory team, and this is part of the whole thing. Um, it, and they are fast. They're, you know, front row. They can be front row. They're in the top, they're in the top three, four every race, but they just can't seem to turn them into results. Now, I honestly believe... It's management from the team all the way down to the top. If there's a problem, 
you start at the top and you find out who's doing wrong and you lop someone's head off and you do it publicly in front of everybody else and so everybody else has to get their act together. Sun Tzu's art of war, one of the, one of the rules. And I just, who, I, who gets a head lopped off? I don't know because I'm not part of FPR, but there's some decisions happening within that team that just aren't right. And so, like I said, it's coming down to it's, it's the team that's, there's something intrinsically wrong in the team. Mm. Well, it does belie belief that they do get it wrong so often. But they were able to scrape together a third place on Sunday up at the Armour Oil Twin 300s. And, folks, uh, you being up there, what did you think? Uh, the new track, first of all, that uh, to me made the... Uh, made the racing a lot more interesting. We didn't have that 1.2 kilometres of follow the leader that uh, we had to put up with for most of uh, the previous years at the circuit. It was a big improvement, a good improvement, and the racing was action-packed and mainly due to, you know, compacting, reducing the size of the track. It certainly um, livened things up and, you know, you add in the mischief makers among... Mostly the regular drivers, funnily enough, not the internationals. Um, you know, there was something going on everywhere, everywhere you looked, and that's, you know, the racing, the crashes, and that's without even getting into all the strange, not to say stupid, uh, judicial decisions that were made, particularly on Saturday. So, um, you know, the shorter track, yep, that's a winner, gets a big tick. The format gets a bigger, big tick because bringing the internationals in um, really made it interesting. And most of them, in fact, almost all of them acquitted themselves extremely well. Um, in fact, you'd say extraordinarily well on the basis of um, what everyone was saying beforehand, how difficult it would be and, you know, they'd struggle. Um, well, most of them didn't struggle. Most of them you could clearly see their pedigree. You know, they're not IndyCar winners and champions and um, race winners in other categories all over the world for nothing. And I reckon that most of them give them a couple of tests and a couple of race meetings and, um, you know, they'd be um, making some of the regulars, you know, look to their laurels. And, in fact, um, I've termed the whole meeting Mythbusters because it really did. It, it just broke open that, that myth that uh, driving a V8 supercar competitive, competitively is some sort of magical, mystical art. It's not. Mm, Nev, your thoughts firstly on the new track and then the internationals? Well, I... I was at home watching it on telly. I was a fan for the weekend. Um, and I, with the racing, was awesome. I just, both days, um, it was just a great event to watch. Um, I could keep track of it. Um, Channel 7 do, didn't do their time shifting, so I could have the live timing going and watching the racing. And I did that on Sunday, and I just thoroughly enjoyed the whole event in, from television land, I mean, there was a few there was a few gaps between qualifying and the racing within the telecast that were filled up with marching bands and stuff. I felt like they could have done something better there, but that's not a criticism of the racing. That's just a criticism of maybe the bit of the program on Channel Seven. But I have to say, the racing was fabulous, and I was just I was told it was some of the best viewing. In television land, I reckon, all year for V8 racing. It was it was as good as, if not better, than Bathurst. Well, that's we'll a... never see a better battle than the Giz versus tell J-Dub. Me, tell me who wasn't watching there was at least barracking for someone either to hold off someone or someone to pass on that final lap. It was just... 
it was every, you were glued to the telly. Well, my problem yeah. was I was going for both, and that's uh, always a problem when you're trying to be a neutral. Guys, we need to take a break, and we'll be back with plenty more on the V8 Insiders right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. It's Fogues from Auto Action who's got the new Craig Lowndes book out and V8X Magazine who is on sale now with Davo's Year in Hell in on the cover. And, of course, you can also see Fabian's uh, Doorbusters crash from Bathurst on that cover as well. And, uh, Nev, you, you were talking about the racetrack and the racing. What did you think about the internationals? I thought they were great. I loved it. And and I know they're talking about um, let's have international all 29 cars. I'm saying no. Leave it. I loved it how it was because I also loved how the internationals compared themselves against the full-time enduro drivers with the Steve Owens and all that. So it mixed it in there with some of these other drivers, Aussie drivers who are less experienced in V8 supercars. And I just thought the mixed worked really well. I, I would keep it as it is. To me, they're talking about, oh, let's put drivers in the international drivers. What a successful event it has been. Let's put more drivers in cars. But I'm saying, if it's not broken, if it's good now, don't try and fix it anymore. Just... You know, maybe tweak it a little bit, but I think it was. I think they nailed it first off for this one. Folks, do you think there should be twenty nine international drivers with twenty nine Australians? Definitely. Well, yeah. I mean, it worked well. I understand Nev's viewpoint, but there are so many top draw drivers from all around the world who want to get in on this act. You know, they could have had twenty nine this year. Such was the interest, and you know, when I've been overseas couple of times earlier this year that's all the you know international particularly indycar yeah, was, the, the indy 500 you know everyone wants to get a go and lots were disappointed um well, we, we will talk- attract some you know formula one type people um next year so um i'm not any keen to see all you know 29 cars get an international driver but i think there should be a separate race for the internationals that would be really good fun but the thing was it almost was because they all internet nearly all the international started in each day on the race, so you got an, you almost had their separate race. Yeah, okay, no, that's true. Came in, and so I just to me it was just enthralling as I just loved it, um, and um, I just it was funnily enough it was easy to easy to follow on television. That was probably the key. I could follow it on telly. I, I, yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just, no, no, I, I just well, think I, I, I just think you know I'm not contradicting you on on the <laughs> on the spectacle on the weekend, but I just think it could be a lot better. And I just know there are a lot more really good drivers. You know, people of the caliber of David Coulthard, who are only you know relatively just ex Formula One, yeah. who want to have a go. And you know, uh, the standouts on the weekend to me among the internationals were clearly Andy Prio. Mm. He was yep. the best performed. He was right on it. He wasn't far away from being on the pace. Um, and you'd expect Long, that. Long, I heard, was good. He said, yep, Patrick Long. Um, 
defied all the predictions which were in fact just ill-informed i mean to the shame of my own magazine auto action you know they rated him you know as last on the list and you know that was just a you know travesty of justice you know he's a, an accomplished racing driver um did his time in europe didn't get to formula one but you know he's a three-time lms gt champion you know he's a good hand um he didn't deserve to be written off and um he proved that he is a solid performer and he should be invited back. But Sebastian Bourdais, much to my surprise, I must admit, he did an excellent job in the uh, DJR run Mother Falcon with uh, Jonathan Webb. Um, I thought Jacques Villeneuve... <laughs> I thought he was an great. an extraordinary job. I mean, we didn't get to see it much because he got punted out of the, the first race and, um, uh, and, you know, didn't get a chance to shine, but... When he was on the track, you know, he was serious. And then you get into the guys like Dario Franchitti, um, Scott Dixon, Elio Castro-Nevis, who just had the best time, was so excited to be down there. You know, they were, they were seriously good for blokes who'd never really sat in anything like that for, you know, upwards of a decade, or in Castro-Nevis's case, never. Yeah. yeah, and I think the only but the only thing only time I haven't seen Castro-Nevis have a smile was when he was walking in and out of the court steps over his uh, taxation issues in America. He is a very happy man at the best of times. Oh, but he was even happier this weekend. He was loving it. Well, we certainly did love what we saw on the Gold Coast. But, folks, you pointed out you weren't happy with the officials' decisions on the weekend. And, of course, we have to ask about the Courtney one. Uh, Nev, you had the TV view. Folks, you had the trackside view. What uh, What about you first, folks? What about that Courtney decision? Because it, it has been a championship swinger. Yeah, yeah, that could, could and probably will cost in the championship. Uh, it was it was just the worst decision. You know, it was completely overkill. It was you know using a cannon to crack a walnut. You know, the safety car rules restart. Um, are complex and convoluted, to say the least. You know, I don't know why they can't be simple and straightforward. Just leave it to the drivers. They know what they're doing in that situation. But all these rules that have been introduced. But, you know, for such a minor and debatable infraction um, to, to cost him the race um, and the championship lead, effectively, um, was just the, the crime... Sorry, the punishment didn't fit the crime. It should have been afterwards deal with it, give him a slap over the knuckles, a reprimand, or dock him some, you know, 10, 15, 20 championship points or something, not exclude him from the race. It ruined the spectacle. It was just completely heavy-handed. But, you know, it was just one of several, well, stupid decisions. And, you know, they may have been technically correct, but they just, you know, they made supercars appear to be just completely inept. And there's a lot of dissatisfaction up and down the pit lane about the officiating. This has been building for a long time, mind you. This, you know, yeah. this weekend, this weekend was just the worst example of an ongoing problem. Well, I know Steve Chopping's a big fan of the show. We'll have him on next week uh, to yeah. talk about it, guys. He's uh, a good man who's who's you know handcuffed by stupid rules. Well, and this is the thing that you talk about the team owners. Well, they should change it. Well, the team owners have the power to get it changed. Um, but they seem to only want to change it when it affects them. Um, I mean, you see Roland Dane banging on about, oh, he wasn't happy. Well, you usually don't hear him banging on when it happens to someone else. Right? So it's like, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry to be a cynic here, but that's the way the team owners work in V8 supercars. 
Yeah, they, if it really affects them, they really go for it to change it. If it doesn't sure. affect them, they're, they're cold on it. Yeah, and but this time, even people like Roland Dane were just appalled by the decision um, as far as Courtney was concerned. There, there was almost, well, I won't say there was consensus, but there was certainly, you know, um, you know probably a majority of uh, team bosses up and down the pit lane. Yeah, you know, but he just, more, he just he thought it was too appalled. much. He was more appalled that HRT weren't weren't black flagged. Well, that was oh, well, the that meatball was a, flag that issue. That was a debacle. Yeah. That whole well, thing was just... Well, it all depends on how you look at it. See, in no. TV land, the stewards got it wrong and they corrected themselves. And so we go, yep, they were, they actually they were right to withdraw that black flag. Yeah. In the meantime, the car's driving around with its front end falling off. So they were a bit slow doing that. But it fell off before... I reckon they were about to black flag him. It fell off before it came out. It was... It wasn't hard to understand on TV, seriously. Well, okay, the James Courtney one we thought was silly. Why? Why? Well, he wasn't doing... To, in TV land, it didn't look like he was doing anything wrong. Sure, he dropped back from the pace car, but he was warming his tyres up like everybody else was. Yeah. Well, now, so, the, yeah. the, the, most, the thing that was most galling for me as an, a close observer and for you know, people on the pit lane was that just yeah. the absolute inconsistency of the decisions on the weekend... I mean, at the time when Greg Ritter uh, punted Jacques Villeneuve, you know, and caused that carambolage at uh-huh. you know, the fourth turn in the first race where everything went mad, you know, it's as clear as day, you know, as Roland Dane would have said, Stevie Wonder could have seen who was at fault there. But all during the race, no action taken. They had to, you know, I followed up later and talked to Thomas Mazzera, the driving standards offered about, you know, they thought there was doubt there. And they had to go through all the video to determine something that was obvious to everyone. And then, when we got to the incident between Luke Yildon and Villeneuve just after the start of the first race, again, to most observers, that was pretty obvious what happened, you know. Not to, you know, beat up on Luke Yildon, but, you know, he made a mistake. He, as far as I'm concerned, he put his car where it shouldn't have been. You know, Jack had moved slightly across to the right because he'd been, you know, uh, I think it was a Ritter again who you know, clipped him on the way through, so Jack was sort of, you know, jinking a bit right. But clearly, you know, I have to say, and I'm not down on Luke Uden at all, good bloke, good driver, but, you know, he made an error. The um, IPO, Peter Wallerman and Thomas Mazzaro, the driving standards officer together, decided it was a racing incident and apportioned blame 50-50. 50-50? You are joking. <laughs> on and on it went, you know, and the jump starts or false starts as they were, you know, both cars must have crept, you know, like a millimetre or something. Nobody else saw it, but some eagle-eyed official. You know, this is not like we, Formula well, One. You could, you could see it on telly, folks. You could see that on telly. He what, on slow-mo moving. replay? He was moving. Who? When they black-flagged at the start for a jump start. Yeah, uh, McConville. Yeah, he was it wasn't. Moving. It wasn't a false start. It was a uh, jump start. It was a false start creeping. Uh, well, you must have seen it on super slow-mo on TV because we well, didn't. But anyway, okay, that's right. debatable. That guys, that if I could see it on slow-mo, then I could have seen him in normal motion. Of course. I saw him in normal motion. They, they showed in-car camera footage, right, of the guy next to him who was behind him, which I think was Winterbottom, right, and you could see him creeping at the start. He got pinged right. I have to tell you, in TV land, we saw all that. Okay, guys, guys, we've got to have gas and go after the break now. It'll be in the white flag lap after this. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Gas and go time. We've got one minute to get through five questions. It's going to be interesting. It's brought to you by V8X Magazine, where Murphy, is he going to be the next driver, the best, next big name to be out of a main game drive regularly, folks? I'm afraid so, yes, he's done. Nev? Yes. Would we be looking at a HRT domination of fan land for many years to come, like it seems it might be in V8X Magazine, Nev? Uh, it, well... Going by the survey, yes, we'll see HRT back on top as the favourite team. Sales are going soft in merchant. Oh, sorry, folks, your thoughts? Uh, well, only if they pull their socks up and get back to the front of the field and don't dig around like they have been all year. I mean, there have been signs of some recovery at Bathurst and a bit to the Gold Coast, but that's not the super team it used to be. Major surgery needed there, so if it keeps going the way it is, the fans are going to lose interest. Will allowing regular networks to move V8 supercars or other sporting events to their alternate digital channels be good for sports like V8 supercars or will that just be the same as putting it on pay TV, folks? Uh, yeah, no, it's not good. You may as well just bury it, as you know, stick it on those extra digital channels because the reality is for the foreseeable future, you know, big audiences aren't switching over, you know. If you want to be serious, you're on the mainstream network channels, you know. That is 7, 9, 10, and at a pinch, too. But the, the fringe digital, digital channels, still a long way to go. Nev? Yeah, I agree. It may be the opportunity to have some extended stuff, like maybe put some press conference stuff on there, extended interviews or post-race and pre-race stuff. But... Um, and you could do that on the digital channels, but the racing needs to be on the main channel. All right, then, Nev. Uh, interesting, the car of the future talks that uh, BMW might get on board. Do we really think we're going to see a BMW, Ford and Holden lineup in the near future? Well, folks reckons we might because he wrote the story. Um, BMW getting in, um, I think there's more of a chance of them getting in than, than Mercedes-Benz, but because they do have a, a racing history in Australia... But the world has changed money-wise. VH would have to be a lot closer to the way DTM's going to be run in the future for them to even think about converting over into VH supercars. Folks? Hell will freeze over first. What I wrote some time back, many weeks ago, was that BMW were interested in talking to Mark Scaife or someone from these VH supercars about Car of the Future. They did that recently, and their message was, well, if you... Allow us to run our DTM cars, we're interested. Yeah, that's not going to happen, so bye. Calendar, still not out at this stage. Folks, how long till we get to book our accommodation and travel plans for next year? I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm over it. Nev? Kill me now. You know, it's so boring. Yeah, there, are pro- uh, there are problems, but, you know, honestly, it's a train it's wreck. It's a train yeah, wreck. Um, uh, I, I mean, they go on, they want to get it right. I mean, um, I'm, I'm glad that they want to get it right, but it doesn't seem they can get it right or stuff's not working out they want. They're obviously waiting for some big stuff to happen, and by the sounds of it, it's not going to happen now. So, yeah, just come on, just put us out of our misery, guys. Well, that's Bahrain's best. out next year. 
probably replaced in 2012 by another well, Middle Eastern event. Talk, even Singapore and, yeah, and Singa- Singapore is suddenly dodgy for next year. Um, something's gone amiss there. So, uh, and you know what that means, of course, unfortunately. Queensland Raceway is back. Yeah. Queensland Raceway, I honestly believe Queensland Raceway was going to be on the calendar even if Singapore wasn't or was on the calendar. No, I should no way. It was out. They dumped it. One thing they've got to do, and they have to be serious about this, they have to call it an Australasian Championship and get two rounds into New Zealand, get one in the North Island, South Island, or... I don't think... New Zealand can't even handle one round, let alone two. They have... Well, they can just handle one round. Two's not... Two's two's too many. Folks? Uh, They could handle two, um, but they're struggling with one at the moment because it's, you know, buried away in Hamilton in uh, Panel Beater Alley, where that street circuit is, they need to take it back to near Auckland, either revive the street race idea or go back to Pukekoe. Oh, perfectly that... well, and, um, you know, there's room for another one, probably on the North Island, but maybe in the South Island eventually. Um, but you know, of course, from next year, V8 Supercars Australia won't be V8 Supercars Australia anymore, it'll just be V8 Supercars. They're changing the status mm. for um, to become a fully FIA-approved international championship. Well, that's all we have time for on Guess and Go this week here on the V8 Insiders. And thanks to both Fogues and Neville Wilkinson. Fogues, when's that book available? Okay, it's called The Inside Line. It's by Craig Lowndes with my assistant. It's a riveting read, I've got to say. Recommended retail price of $35.00. And it's due out, well, around the 28th, 29th of October, certainly by the 1st, so basically very soon. And um, I think you'll all enjoy it. All right, then. And Nev, Verdex on sale now. Definitely. Today. Well, sorry, this comes, it's Thursday. (laughs) Yeah, come out yesterday. You might want to edit that. Do you want to do that again? I'll rush out now, Nev. I was just down at the newsagents. I didn't see it. Didn't you? I don't know why. No, I was too busy buying auto action, which is out weekly <laughs> and, and has all the latest news in it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Almost as late as my news. Yeah, I know. You've got that, that, that news hound, Bruce Newton. Oh, the only man who strikes fear into my heart when I see him at a race meeting. I have to pull the finger out and do some work. He's a good man. <laughs> all right, that's the Fiat Insiders for another week. As the check it flagways over this edition. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.